don't forget the definition of communication message sent equals message received, right? That that's how we, that's how we make that measurement. So how we communicate with the people is a, is a critical piece. I think the other thing that firms need to think about with their people in the midst of process change or evaluating process change is to look at the other expectations. So if I want um, Rob to be part of my process uh, evaluation team or my process change execution team, whatever it may be, I've got to look at how much time do I need from him and how do I create that space for him? So when you are leading through the change, you may not do everything, but you've got to make sure you create the space for the team to do everything. Simply saying, hey, this would be a great item that you can say you also did, a great project for us to consider when it comes to raise and promotions. Hogwash, especially now, we have too much on our shoulders. Welcome to AFO Wealth Management Forward, a podcast about finance, accounting, technology, and entrepreneurship. We apply our decades worth of experience and insight into what makes businesses work so we can help others grow both personally and professionally. In this ever-evolving marketplace, we help accounting firms and financial advisors grow their practice through the adoption of holistic wealth management services. Learn from industry leaders and subject matter experts to unlock the secrets of their success. A podcast that shows people and companies the transformative power of technology so they don't fear it, but instead harness it. Don't fight the robots, team up with them. And here are your hosts, Rory Henry, Director of Business Development and CEO Rob Santos of Arrowroot Family Office. All right. Hello, everyone. Uh, today, I'm again joined by Will Hill of Will Hill Consults. Will, it's just you and I today. It is just you and I today. I was looking around to see who the guest was, <laughs> but I think I know that answer now. You're the guest. <laughs> All right, Will. So I know you work with a lot of firms, you go to a lot of conferences. I know firms are looking at new technologies. They're looking at you know their processes and how they can go about you know, adopting new technologies, new processes. Can you kind of talk about the evaluation process or the assessment uh, when working with a firm? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think, Rory, sometimes firms fall into the trap of starting for the wrong reasons. Um, and that can be tough. That can yeah. be tough. I think, you know, I spent some time at a couple of different conferences uh, listening to people talk about process, listening to people talk about change, Mm -hmm. watching and uh, interacting with different technologies that are out there to help firms get better at what they do. And one of the things that struck me was that in all of the conversation, firm owners were often not talking about, hey, this is my real pain that I'm trying to solve for. And the discussion was often very broad-based, which makes sense from a, a technology vendor to say, hey, would you like to be more efficient so that you can use your time doing something of a higher value? Okay. Yes. Right. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> does. But just, just going, ooh, look, we can be more efficient doesn't mean that that technology or that process change should be done. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't know if you've noticed this over the last couple of years, Rory, but change seems to happen quite a bit, right? Yeah. And we've, we've, we've talked even on a couple other uh, podcasts or I've co-hosted with you that there's not a season for change anymore, mm-hmm. right? It's we constant. have to constantly be adapting to the changing environment. We have to constantly be looking out in front and say, Hey, what's coming and how do we get ready for it? And all of those things require change. And so if we are simply looking to change process or change tools because we want to quote, gain efficiency and gain time, but we don't have a purpose behind that. And even more importantly, there's not a pain we're trying to solve. We're going to run into problems down the road. And the reality is anytime you put in a new technology or you change your process, spoiler alert, it's not going to go perfectly smooth. Even if I'm your consultant, it's not going to go perfectly smooth. There's going to be hiccups. And it is that ability to tie back to why you're making that change in the first place that lets you power through those hiccups and those difficulties. Because if, if we're going to implement a new tool and we run into a particular challenge and we're frustrated, maybe you and I are working together and it's, it's causing communication rift and other things we disagree. If we can't put our finger on, Hey, this stinks, but remember that pain we're walking away from. Okay. Let's get through this. But if instead it's, why are we doing this again? Well, to be more efficient, but both of us know, and neither of us ask it because we're afraid to, what are we going to do with that efficiency to do more high value things? Yeah. yeah. Like what, like who? So if this efficiency gain is for the preparers downstream, but it's not enough to get them to be a reviewer, to pull review work off your plate, why are we doing this again? So if you can't truly paint that, here's the pain we're solving, or here's the true gain in the out in the end yeah. that we're chasing after you're probably starting this change for the wrong reason. Yeah. Um, and so I just wanted to start the conversation there, Rory, and just kind of <laughs> challenge firms to say, there are lots of new shiny objects out there when it <laughs> comes to technology tools, uh, to ideas. And certainly I've got a lot of ideas. I love working on with firms, but if you are not solving a pain or if you don't have a very precise outcome that you're going after, then it's probably not worth your time because you're going to spend a lot of time, not see the reward. And, and any issue that comes up is pure risk and downside for your business. So I know that kind of sounds strange from the, <laughs> Hey, let me help you change your be process right? consultant guy, but it's gotta be, it's gotta be right. Cause yeah. it's not easy to change things Rory. Yeah. I, I like how you got into more details about changing. You talked about values and it reminded me of, of Simon Sinek. He talks about us needing to change our values to verbs. So firms, I see it on mm-hmm. websites all the time where, you know, we have integrity or we, we, you know, we are innovative. And he says, we need to shift that language. to instead of saying we have integrity, you know, it's do the right thing. You can't walk into someone's office and say, Hey, you know, I need some, a little more innovation today. Say, no, we need to look at problems from a different angle. Uh, right. So it's looking at, at, at values in a verb sense, but let's dive into the technology piece. You know, when you're yeah. working with firms and technology, uh, I, I recently saw a, a, a webinar or a podcast, I listened to a podcast and he talked about 
technology and uh, the adoption and looking at the roadmap for that technology? Are they, you know, constantly iterating? Uh, you know, these are 12 months, sometimes 24 months contracts. Is this something that's going to be around then? Are they going to be able to meet those potential future needs? So when you're working with firms out there who are looking to adopt new technology, what are you doing when you're regarding in regards to advising them uh, on that adoption? Well, it goes back to the first thing I mentioned, right? What, what pain are we solving for? And I think that's where, especially when you look at competing technologies, right? So maybe I've got uh, four different choices for who I want to have my clients use in their inventory systems as we go to QBO, right? And so which of these four do I choose? Well, you have to understand where's your pain of what you're doing. And one of those is going to solve for that pain a little bit better than the others. And the thing I think is when you're selecting something, each each technology provider has their unique value proposition yeah. and something's just a little bit different here or a little bit different there. And in, instead of trying to say, well, I'm trying to figure out which one I resonate with, you need to understand where's your pain coming from. And, and the provider that fits that pain best, that aligns as part of their uniqueness, that's the one you want to roll with, right? And you want to make sure that you're you're moving there to where they're solving issues. I, I think if you try to get too deep into where is this vendor going 12 months, 24 months down the road, you can put yourself into analysis paralysis, yeah. paralysis analysis, however you say yeah. that, and really be stuck going, I don't know how to make the decision because I'm trying to predict how some other company is going to move. And their movement Honestly, unless you're one of the top 10 firms in the US, their movement is not dependent on your needs, right? Their movement is dependent on either the biggest customer's needs or the bulk of customer needs, right? So your voice alone is probably not going to shape the movement. So you you cannot tie yourself down with, oh, where are they going? I think you can look backwards and yeah. say, have they had a history of meeting needs in a timely basis. And that's that's where I think you can say, hey, here's a vendor that had history of coming on new things that met my needs on a timely basis or met the needs of their customers on a timely basis. That's gonna give my confidence for them going forward. So, but if they don't meet the value point I have right now, if they're not solving for the pain that I've got right now, it's not really relevant. Yeah. So I guess that leads me into talking about that pain and, and doing that assessment process with a firm. You know, I, I know you probably go through an interview process. You look at, you know, the current systems and processes. How does that assessment look uh, when you're working with firm owners and, and the employees? Mm -hmm. So I, the first item is we've got to be aware of context, right? So one of my favorite sayings besides <laughs> let's go get pizza <laughs> is that People operate best when they understand the context in which they operate. Yeah. And so the same is true, ironically enough, for a process. A process operates best when it understands which context it operates in. And, and in this case, the context that it's operating in is going to be the mission and the objective of the organization. And this is where we start to see processes fall apart or the process assessment or change process fall apart yeah. is here, here's our tax workflow process. Well, at some point 
when we're making a decision about how we return source documents or if we return source documents to a client, right? If that's the minute point of discussion, maybe there's not a perfect answer, Rory. Mm -hmm. But there is the right answer. And two people, if they're battling it out on, on each side, one of them is going to be upset. And so as we go to change that process or unify around that process, we have to make some of those decisions oriented back to what's the mission of this organization yeah. and so what are we trying to yeah. achieve? That's educating on the value of that change, communicating that value uh, frequently and off, uh, I mean, often um, and uh, early to, to employees when you're making that change, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because if, again, change is difficult. So if I'm going to have to do something different, I've got to first unlearn and then I have to relearn. Sometimes when we look at process changes, we think, well, they just have to learn one thing. Well, that's two things. Unlearn first, relearn second. And so for me to have to put that effort out and to stick with it, I've got to be able to tie it back to a mission and a purpose of this firm that I am in alignment with and I agree with. So that, that's an area where if you've had process conversations at a firm and you've never talked about how is this process supporting what we're doing and you've just assumed it to be fine and true, that's a problem. And sometimes I think that's where a lot of the value of a third party comes in, right? Mm -hmm. To come in and say, hey, let's first make sure we've got good agreement on your mission and vision of this firm. Maybe we should first make sure you have one. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was working with a firm and, and I said, yes, we have one. It's up here on our walls. Everyone's got one in their office. And I said, great. When was the last time that was discussed uh, as part of the team and any kind of meetings going on? I don't know if it's ever been discussed. We did a workshop. We hashed it out, you know, paid someone to come in, help us work through our, our mission and values. We hung it on the wall. It looks good we might talk about it from a sales perspective. Hey, client, this is what we look to do, mm -hmm. but it never comes into play with our process decisions or our assessment of our tools or processes we're currently in use. Then that is a underutilized mission and purpose of your firm, right? And, and again, change is difficult. And this is where the, the people side comes in, Rory. Mm. And I'm like just droning on with your question, but I'm good at that. Uh, you know, this is where the people side come in because if two people feel strongly about something and we've got to make a decision one way or the other, if we don't have an outside determining factor, it becomes a relational issue going forward. And frankly, we've got enough staffing issues in firms that we don't need staff divides because of change, right? We need, we need something different. And so instead of Rory, if it's you and I, and we're sitting here pointing fingers at each other saying, no, I want it my way. You're like, yeah, I want it my way. Instead, if we've got that mission as that third piece that's there, mm -hmm. then we don't point at each other. We point at that and say, how do we best service this? What does it mean? And, and now we're not against one another, but we're together for it. Now, one of us still is not going to be overly thrilled at the result. But now if you win the argument and I don't, I'm not irritated with you. With I'm looking at the mission going, mission all right, I got to do something different, but I know why I've got to do something different. And it's not about a person. It's about what we're trying to do as a firm. And so 
that's where connecting the dot in the early assessment part of what's our purpose and what we're doing, and then looking at our process through that lens is just so critical. Yeah, I'm sure that's, you know, a difference between uh, successful firms and those that may not be so successful is ones that lead through that mission statement. Uh, are you seeing that when you're working with these firm leaders that that are leading, um, you know, with that mission statement and, and everybody, you know, is aligned with what that the statement is? So to me, the, the common thread is that firms who operate through their mission manage all of the rough waters that regulation, medical issues, whatever else may come, throw at them because they're not up and down with all the environmental factors mm -hmm. that, that what are we doing? Why are we doing it? That holds them steady and allows them to course correct with that in mind all the time. Firm leaders that don't, they say, hey, it's kind of been up and down. Well, you know, COVID's not our fault. So we've gotten off track. Others say, COVID, not our fault. We've maintained course well, made adjustments. And so when you don't have that central piece that's there to look at, you start responding and not even responding. Let me change that word. You start reacting, reacting. to things that are going on. You're making knee-jerk decisions. And that's where processes don't get followed. That's where they become fragmented. And that's where you say, Ooh, we got a process problem. Well, maybe, or maybe you didn't, but you created one because we didn't have the process in light of, or serving the mission and purpose of the organization that's there. Yeah. And I'm curious on, you know, what are some of the common themes when it comes to overlooked pieces in regards to these processes? Well, mm. um, so one of the overlooked, one of the overlooked pieces is evaluating where value is added, right? And this is one that sometimes we sit down to evaluate process. We look for process variation, right? If it goes through Rob's hands or Sally's hands, does the same thing happen? And if the answer is yes, the same thing happens then sometimes we just ignore evaluating that any further. And we just look for where there's process variation and say, Oof, we need to solve for this so we have consistency. Or if we look at implementing a tool, we say, well, we might as well look at the whole. Let's say we're implementing a, um, a, a new tax OCR tool that we're going to use. We'll say, well, let's let's just look at that piece. And they miss the opportunity to look at the whole tax process in light of that. In both of those cases, you can miss the areas that are done consistently and not stop and ask, where's the value add that's coming from that? Because a lot of inefficiency in process are often smaller tasks and steps that are done. They're simple. So they're often done by everybody or with great regularity. So they don't feel like they're an impediment but in reality, they're not adding value. And if you're looking at bringing a new technology tool into play, like an OCR tool for, for tax returns, that sort of thing, it doesn't matter what else is being done consistently. You've got to ask, is that still going to bring value in light of this particular tool? I think we are very afraid to stop doing things. Yeah. Like this concept of, hey, we shouldn't do it. 
because it's not adding value is terrifying to people. And we, we get comfortable when it becomes routine, right? But if it's not a value, you got to stop it. So I think that's one of the overlooked, uh, the overlooked areas. The other one that I would say is we don't, we don't look enough for common triggers, right? So we think about the process very much in a vacuum of just that process itself. And we don't look at, hey, if this is the tax process, we've got to think a little bit more about what's happening on the accounting side, especially this is a business tax process, right? Mm-hmm. That is driving or influencing the needs of the tax process, right? So we have to be willing to open up our scope of evaluation and say, all right, if we've got an issue with uh, how timeliness of getting things started, is that really the client's issue? Or are there things that we control for how we can get client information and source document? We already have it, but it's in a different department. Uh, maybe the way that we're communicating with the clients is putting into putting them into different behaviors, right? So that's an area sometimes you uh, just get a little bit too narrow in the evaluation. Don't get me wrong, focus is good, mm-hmm. but we've got to not miss those signals from the outside that uh, that could trigger the need for change. Okay, let's segue a little bit here. Well, we've talked about people and process. You know, how can we you know, better help people through the process of, of change? Yeah, good question. Um, there is a critical element where the people meet the process <laughs> that, you know, we want to sometimes blame things on the tools, the process, or we blame them on the people. But oftentimes it's where, it's where those two come together. So when, when you're doing your process evaluation or when you're making changes to process, you do have to think about, hey, this is going to impact the everyday life of the team. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to be successful with that, earlier is better. Earlier is better. So if we're going to be changing process or thinking about changing process, I want to I grab someone from each level of my firm, right? That's going to be involved with that process and say, hey, we need representation of the people who will have to deal with this day in and day out. We need to make sure that we understand. And you know, your job, I think, as a firm leader is not to make every single decision, but rather it's about the direction. Here's the direction we're going. Now we've got to decide on how we're going to execute these things to make that direction happen. And your people are going to be most bought into a change where they are part of the decision process. Um, and it, having them be part of the process means actually part of a decision process, not executing after the decision is made. Those are two very different things. So I, I want to bring them into the decision process. Do I have a preparer? Do I have a reviewer? Do I have an administrative person that does this stuff day in and day out so we can really understand? Again, one of them is likely the one feeling the pain that we're trying to solve for. Mm-hmm. We talked about that earlier. And And as we paint that context, then they should be very motivated. I hear from a lot of firms, oh, I don't think my people will like the change. They hate change. Well, you know what? I don't think they do. No. I I honestly don't. I Even though people say I don't like change, no, it's not that you dislike change. One, we like comfort. Yeah. And secondly, 
We like awareness and contextual operating, as I said before. And so this is where if we like comfort and we're solving a problem for pain, that's where we focus. Hey, Rory, I know this has been a pain and it's not comfortable. Yeah. We need to make some changes to our process, do things differently to solve for that, to produce more comfort. Now we've switched the narrative, yeah. right? And, and we've also set context. This isn't about Rory's performance. This isn't about Rory's job security. It, those, those are the things that are playing in the team member's mind, mm -hmm. right? As we go to evaluate process, we're going to do stuff differently. Oh no, um, it's going to be uncomfortable. Oh, no. yeah. You're just thinking about doing something just for fun or um, you're the boss. So you can pull the strings. So you are right there. There's that thought process or automation efficiency. Am I supposed to be out of a job? Yeah. Like, so you have to understand what's going through the mind of your team when you bring in the change and how you message and communicate. Mm -hmm. Even the exploration is important. Even to say, Rory, Hey, we're looking to do you. You've got great skills. You don't have to lie quite that much if you didn't want to. <laughs> right. But yeah. you know, Rory, we want to use your time differently here. Mm -hmm. I, I want to stop having you do X, Y, Z, and instead shift you into this area. But I know, I know there's not enough time in the day for that to happen effectively unless we find a better way to do this other piece. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to try to find a better way to do this other piece so that you can spend your time over here. And when I, when I hear firms make mistakes about this kind of communication, a lot of times they talk about, hey, I want you to spend your time doing this value-added service. And they don't talk about what's going to happen with the not value add service, or they, they have a conversation and say, we want to automate the bookkeeping entries. We want you to spend your time on more value add service. If you don't tie those dots together, the team is not going to, you cannot assume they're going yeah. to tie those dots together. They're going to go, you're after my job. Oh, you're piling <laughs> more work on top of me. And you're sitting there as the communicator, you're going, no, I told no. you, I don't want to do that. I want to do this instead. Sorry. If you yeah. don't make it really clear with how you're connecting those pieces together, you haven't communicated that, even though that's what you believe to have said. Yeah. Um, don't forget the definition of communication message sent equals message received, <laughs> right? That that's how we, that's how we make that measurement. Yeah. So how we communicate with the people is a, is a critical piece. I think the other thing that firms need to think about with their people in the midst of process change or evaluating process change is to look at the other expectations. So if I want um, Rob to be part of my process uh, evaluation team or my process change execution team, whatever it may be, I've got to look at how much time do I need from him and how do I create that space for him? So when you are leading through the change, you may not do everything, but you've got to make sure you create the space for the team to do everything. Simply saying, hey, this would be a great item that you can say you also did, a great project for us to consider when it comes to raise and promotions. Hogwash, especially now, we have too much on our shoulders mm -hmm. and that keep piling stuff up until they fall down has not worked so well. Yeah, it's not. So let's stop. And instead, let's say, hey, I need you. I'm thinking we need about one day a week, probably in two half day segments focused on this project. 
And then I let you be part of this process with me, right? Or I, I guess I use Rob's name in this case, right? <laughs> so I would say, hey, Rob, I, I want to create eight hours a week for you to work on this process. Um, bring to me two or three things you think could come off your plate and really feed into that process. And then Rob, uh, here, here are two or three things that might work to come off my plate. And notice I didn't ask Rob where they had to go. That's my job as the leader. Mm -hmm. So I, I just want to invite that openness and then show that I'm supporting of their participation by executing that delegation for them. Right. And so that's, I think that's another big piece. You have someone part of as part of change or process evaluation, you've got to make the space for them. That's part of your job uh, as the leader through there. And these are areas where we just fall apart. And if we don't yeah. make space for the people to evaluate or to execute the change process, it's not going to be their top priority, especially yeah. if you've got variable compensation and bonus for production and all that stuff, sort of stuff layered on top. If this is a longer process and you do have some kind of variable comp into that person's job, you may want to look at adjusting that variable comp for this period of time, yeah. just so that you get their best effort. And there's not some kind of subconscious pull back away from the project. So those are a couple of really key people elements. I think I think the other one is this. We do not close loops very well at all when it comes to process change. Why is that? We're busy, right? Yeah. So even, even a firm that says, hey, guys and gals, we're going to make a change to adding in some OCR technology for our tax workflow process. Great. Hey, we're going to, we're going to evaluate it. Here are the three people that are on the team. You're going to hear from them about process changes. We're going to test it out on a few clients and we're going to roll it out. And then all of a sudden you hear crickets, <laughs> except for the people that are involved with the process through the process. Mm -hmm. And we miss that opportunity to say, Hey, we've hit the stage, everybody. Here's what we've learned. And this kind of broad, open sharing about learning, success, failure through the project, and then saying, hey, everybody, we did it. Our, our beta phase is complete. We did 15 clients this way. We're ready now. We're going to chunk our clients in groups of hundreds and move this way, whatever it may be, right? <laughs> Those are things that have to be communicated to the team as a whole, because what I have seen is a lot of firms go, firm members will say, look, the boss went to a conference. He or she saw another great idea. Here's what's going to happen. They're going to come back, shove it down our throats. We'll tell them why it won't work. Some of it will kind of happen. And then we'll never hear from it again. We don't know what happened to it. And so that becomes the default operating yeah. expectation by these team members, which is just another hurdle that you've got to overcome. So let's say that you decide to evaluate your process and you decide nothing's going to change. You need to say that, right? You need to close that loop. Um, and so that is just, it frustrates me, but I see a lot. We just get busy. We make the change. We think, well, it's done. Why do we care? Well, because people need to know mm -hmm. that we had an idea. We put a plan out. We executed, executed it. Here, here's what's happening. When, when I, other jobs I've had, how many ideas I bring to the table is, is filtered based on how many I think they'll actually do. And when I, when I see my first idea go nowhere or claim it's going to go somewhere and then be limited, I don't know if I should bring the next one. But if my first idea comes up, 
starts to go somewhere and it's communicated back. Hey, it sucked. Here's why we're not doing it. If you got any other ideas, let us know. Oh, okay, great. Here's another idea. But if we don't close the loop on what's happening, you actually inhibit the ideation from your team Mm -hmm. and coming forth. So it may not, it may not hurt that process change, but you could really miss an opportunity for where you grow with your firm in the next change that should happen as you operate. Makes sense. And it seems like, you know, freeing up more time, uh, becoming more efficient, you know, becomes a force multiplier once you get the the full team involved. I mean, become more efficient. Uh, They're working better as a team. They're communicating. Uh, You can have probably better uh, margins there. Um, You know, is this something that you see once you start working with firms that as they become more efficient, it does free up more time. They can start implementing more new ideas. Is this a snowball effect, Will? Yes, as long as there is communication about it and the why, right? So back so to the mission statement, the why. We're going back, we're going back, not just the mission statement, but also precise, what are we going to do with this, right? So if mm-hmm. if we go and we gain, hey, preparers and reviewers, we're going we're gonna to make your time more efficient with different tools that are in place so you can spend more time advising, great. But what do we mean spend more time advising? What do we mean by we're going to give you the time? Because if, if we're if we don't set some goals in place, that's going to turn into the water cooler time. Mm-hmm. Right. And the reality is that and I need to find the, the study that shows this. There are, I think, more than one, uh, but people will give the time and space that you allow them. And more time and space does not always equal a better result, right? We're just kind of programmed <laughs> to, to work well off of a deadline. Mm-hmm. And so when we say, hey, we're more efficient now, but we don't shift time expectations or tell them what to do, we have an innate tendency to kind of slow that rhythm down, especially at the team member level. Um, maybe not those of the entrepreneurial mind or those with kind of that growth mindset, but that's not everybody on your team, mm-hmm. nor necessarily should it be, right? We need a lot of variety to, to do the things we need to do well. So we've got to be specific and say, hey, team, we're going to go, we're going to make this process more efficient. Here's our goal. Instead of us spending you know, our time on these 30, we're going to spend it on 20 and we're going to replace we're going to replace that with X, Y, or Z, or we're going to say, Hey guys, cost of labor is high. And what we need to do is we want to keep growing for all of our sake as a business and serve more customers that are, that need the things we have, but we can't afford more labor right now. So what we're going to do is we're going to have these tools in place to be more efficient. And we're going to go from 50 to 75 clients in this particular service line. That's our goal. That's where the space is going. And if we're intentional with that communication up front, mm-hmm. we're going to avoid a lot of the concern later. And we're going to avoid that kind of black hole that happens when efficiency happens for the sake of efficiency without a plan on how to use it. And let me put an asterisk there, Rory, um, mm-hmm. to say it's okay if all you want to do is create space so that your staff can slow down. Like, yeah. that's okay. Just say it. Say, hey, we're, we're operating at, at a clip where we're always on mentally. So I want to bring this efficiency in so that while it could take us eight hours less a week to get this done, it doesn't have to. Like, like 
I'm not, I'm doing, I'm doing this so that you can either leave the office sooner or that you can slow down on the work you have without feeling so pressed. Like if that's what you want out of the time efficiency you gain, great, use it, but let's communicate with it up front what the purpose is. Yeah. And when you go in these firms, you know, what, what happens as a, as an end result or what are you, uh, what are you looking to accomplish, uh, you know, when you go in there and consult with these firms uh, from a, uh, an outcome perspective? Well, sure. So really I'm looking to accomplish the outcome, right? Okay. So I'm not going to go to a firm Rory and say, Hey, this is what the out, what outcome I want to see, mm-hmm. but rather the firms I'm working with, they know what outcomes they're chasing, but they're struggling to get there. Yeah. Right. They're saying, Hey, I need to find more capacity for my accounting work. Great. Let's chase after that. And the way that we chase after it is we measure upfront. We identify the gaps and opportunities for involvement, put the action plan together. And then, you know, I bring the big stick of accountability mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, that's a, a lot of what it is. I'm going to bring ideas. I'm going to bring resources from my awareness in the industry, but I'm also going to bring accountability to action. And a lot of times that's what we need as, you know, as business owners in general is Mm -hmm. I need someone to hold me accountable because I've got a lot of directions I can go, including immersing myself in client work. And that's where we haven't gotten the result. Or sometimes it's a matter of, hey, we need to do this differently. And I just don't understand. Maybe they're not needing accountability, but they're just not getting the traction. And there's something going on with where the people intersect the process. And that's what oftentimes an outside perspective is able to identify a little bit more quickly than someone that is already immersed in Mm -hmm. what's happened. All right. Well, that was another great podcast episode with you as the guest. If uh, someone wants to hire Well Hill to help out with people and processes, you know, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah, two ways. We'll keep it simple. One, LinkedIn, very active out there. Feel free to hit me up, message me through LinkedIn. Uh, or you can email me, will at willhillconsults.com. And uh, we'd be glad to have a chat with you and make sure that uh, we're able to add value to what your firm's trying to do. I love it. All right, Will. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you. All opinions expressed by Rob Santos and Rory Henry on this website podcast interview are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Arrowroot Family Office LLC or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by anyone as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of their opinions. Past performance is not indicative of future results.